first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. But rules are made to be broken. They were made to be followed. Nothing is made to be broken. Uh, pinatas. Glow sticks. Karate boards. Spaghetti when you have a small pot. Rules. everyone, this is Shane Combs, SVCSportZone.com, here once again with my brother Matt, and you are listening to Expanding the Zone, our new podcast show here in Season 1, and we're all the way up to Episode number 12, where tonight we're going to be uh, filling in the blank. Rules are made to be blank. I'd like to welcome you if you're listening to us out there on iTunes, iHeart, Spotify, or if you're uh, joining us and watching us on our YouTube channel, SBC Sports Zone Shane. Again, welcome. Uh, you, you, the fans, have generated so many different topics. And Matt, I guess as I welcome you to the show, when I throw out rules are made to be blank, I, I guess I, I ask you, are we um, trying to follow them? Are we trying to break them? Are we trying to manipulate them, stretch them? Uh, you know, I think of technology, safety. I, I know how difficult it's been in 20 plus years of teaching coaching to sometimes write rules or create rules and then enforce them. Just, just a lot of different avenues I think we're going to cover tonight. Uh, when I throw that uh, fill in the blank, rules are made to be blank to you, kind of what comes to mind and maybe talk to the fans a little bit about how you and I kind of arrived here for episode number 12. You know, we had talked about, oddly enough, we we had I can't remember how the conversation came up, Shane. We had talked a little bit about rules and how much over the years rule changes have either really helped a certain sport, uh, or maybe there's certain sports that probably need to examine some rule changes. Right? We talked about that in one of our episodes with with sports like baseball and basketball that have stayed kind of traditional at the high school level and maybe haven't haven't thought outside the box the same as volleyball or some of those sports have. But we were and then basically the what spurred this on is Major League Baseball getting up and going again, right? We we found out this week Major League Baseball, thank goodness we're gonna get sixty games at least. The millionaires and, and billionaires figured it out. They like. figured it out, man. I mean it's uh uh they they finally did what probably 10 dudes at a bar could have figured out for him two months ago, but uh, uh, maybe even done it better. But, uh, but no, so, you know, some rules came up like uh, extra innings, putting a guy on second base, right. And all the, and you, so we got to looking at rules and, and, and then something that came out at the high school level, I don't, and this was a little less uh, nationwide news, I guess, than what obviously Major League Baseball was, sure. but something that came across my Twitter feed was in Georgia, um, the Georgia High School Athletic Association voted to have the shot clock. They voted to adopt the shot clock. Interesting. And one of the people on Twitter responded, I think in jest, sort of, saying that, well, there you go, you lost your seat at the table for the National Federation of High School, because I don't know if people remember, but I mentioned in a previous show that one of the things about the National Federation is to have a seat on their board or to be a participant uh, in the process, I guess, with them is 
basically you have to adopt all of their rules, which I've always found a little humorous. It's like, Hey, listen, <laughs> we're going to give you a yeah. voice as long as you agree with yeah. everything we say. All right. Yeah. But, but so you, you can come eat dinner with me every night as long as you tell me how good a cook I am. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's it, you know, just, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of bizarre, but uh, I've always questioned. I mean, that's been one of the things that our Ohio high school athletic station has always said is we have to adopt the rules of the national federation or we lose our seat on the board. And my response is, well, who cares if you have a seat on the board if you can't make any change rules, or affect right, any sure. change? I mean, so yeah, it's it's and, and you know me, I we've talked about it before, and and we'll we'll get into a lot of this in detail in the state of the game here in the future for basketball. We've mentioned that show a few times, but yeah, I'm not necessarily just a you know die hard slam my fist on the table say we have to have the shot clock. We've talked about it a little bit about some of the some of the moving parts to that, but but. <laughs> But I do admire a state that's willing to say, hey, we're going to make our own decision. We're not going to make it based on what the National Federation tells us to do. Um, we either want the shot clock, we don't want the shot clock, or we want some, you know, we're, here's, here's my thing with the National Federation, as I mean, we'll get off that topic and onto our rules. We play state tournaments at the high school level, right? It's not like the NCAA where you play a national tournament. Right. If you were if you were at the in the NCAA and and in college basketball, Kentucky had their set of rules and Indiana had their set of rules and Colorado had their set of rules, that would cause a problem when you come together and play a tournament. We don't do that at the high school level. The, the, in Ohio, for instance, here we play a state tournament. So who cares right. what the National Federation thinks? Ohio, we, we don't. We don't care how Texas does it. Doesn't matter. We do it in Ohio that way, right? Exactly. So. I guess the whole thing about adopting a national set of rules in an organization that runs a state tournament, that's never made a ton of sense to me. But anyway, and some of these rules we talk about tonight may, uh, may pertain to that. I don't know. But anyway, those two things that happened sort of, I think, spurred us on to go ahead and do this episode, uh, just kind of bouncing back and forth some rules off of each other. I think the interesting thing tonight is, we didn't really share any of these with each other, so we're going to put each other on the spot a little bit. With yeah, this. right, right. You, you know, Matt, you, you said a word already that I had almost at the top of my notes was change. I, I feel like sometimes we live in a society, if you think about it, there are a lot of people that are really scared by change. And, and, yeah. and let's face it, there, there was a certain time in my, my life as a sports fan where I never dreamed, you know, we would have uh, instant replay in terms of video to to decide if someone's safe out in a world series game or who's that ball out on in the nba finals or right. catch in the nfl and i still don't know if they figured that out the yeah. um but my point is with change I, I got to thinking i'm i just turned 43 recently so um when we moved to chillicothe ohio what in the mid 80s or whatever over over that time period i've really only had two homes uh, the one we grew up in basically from me, uh, what the third grade, you, the sixth grade on. And then my wife, Bethany, and I just celebrated our 16th uh, anniversary and we've lived in this home. So I've only had two homes. I've had um, pretty much one job, 20 plus years, same school. Now I, I have gone and, and I've had two or three little coaching stints here or there to help at some other schools, but for the most part, not a lot of change, try to be very consistent in my faith and, and so forth. So I, I guess I guess I can understand that stability and some of those things, but I also understand that sometimes that that change can, can kind of cheat you out of really understanding some different options and understanding an opportunity to get better. What what is it about the the concept of change? I know you went through some dynamic changes early in your career before you found you know what I what I've considered just an incredible job for you. Um, 
talk to me about change. What, what is it about change that scares people maybe to dive in and try something new when it comes to rulemaking or maybe changing some different things? Well, I think it's like anything else. You know, if, if you've been doing something a certain way for a long time, chances are if you've been doing it a certain way for a long time, it's at least been acceptable, right? I mean, some, because probably if it was a total train wreck, uh, you weren't going to do it that way for 20, 30 years. So take a sport, for instance, as we talk about rules. If you've had a set of rules that has been adequate for a long period of time, maybe maybe you say, oh, man, I hate to go against status quo. It's been okay. I guess my thing is is my view on this has always been in leadership, and that, that's what we do a lot on this show. We talk a lot about leadership stuff, is do you want to be adequate or do you want to be great? Because that's what it comes down to for me is good enough, good enough. I mean, is that, is that your, is that your take? Because you just mentioned things like your marriage and your faith and your, yeah, or your home, right? You've had the same one, but you haven't just sit around and said, I don't have to get better. I don't have to make home improvements. I don't have to work at my marriage. I don't have to read my Bible and be better in my faith. No, you, you've said to yourself, I have to examine this constantly and constantly grow and learn. It's just like in coaching, right? If you're not uh, an avid learner, if you're not a hungry learner, then you're going to not be as good. You no know, point. you're just not going right. to be as good at what you do. And so and I think the same is it's like I've said in other shows, and I'll say this again. It, it, we tell our coaching staff all the time, question everything, question it all. And if the answer to that question is, well, why do we do this? Well, just the way we've always done it. That's not good enough. If it's a, it's the very best way we feel to do it. That's one thing, but not just because we've always done it that way. And I think you'll see, as we talk about some of these rules, because tonight, Shane, we're going to talk about rules uh, that have, that have affected past things, maybe improved games, uh, improved sports. We're going to talk about some stuff going on right now. And then you and I are probably going to bounce some ideas about future changes or what could help games. So, you know, it, it's uh, change to me, change, uh, I guess, scary, sure, but necessary for sure. I mean, you have to be willing to change. Well, the, the, the next thing started to lead into this a little bit, I guess, is, is you know, let's face it, choices, right? I mean, when, when for the longest time, maybe there was no change really available. But, but, but you know, through technology, safety, learning different things, common sense, maybe, um, we, we start to learn different things. I know we talked in the past about how, you know, the three-sport athlete, you know, uh, used to be more common 15, 20 years ago, but let's face it, there's different choices now. There's different changes. You know, back, back in the day, we didn't have the opportunity to play volleyball season, play with our team in June and July, play club volleyball, right? Or in basketball, right. you didn't have the opportunity to play in the season, play in June and July, play AAU, Legion ball, fall ball and baseball, softball. So all of those different things. And, and when I think of I think of choices. I think that's where people start to come up with different ideas and you get different dynamic people in leadership. <laughs> I was joking with someone the other day, we were, we were actually um, in, in, in a meeting where we were talking about some different things for school and, and we were talking about all the different choices can make things confusing. I blamed it on Crayola. You know, he, when we were growing up, Matt, 
You only had eight of them. We had eight of them, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you, you know, a lot of people could name them off the yellow, blue, red, green, whatever. You know, be I mean, them off. And then all of a sudden, you start going to 12 and 24. And, you know, now, now there's like a box like 216. You know what I mean? Oh, I remember the 64 crayons where you had the double decker. You know, you opened it, you had like the upstairs and the downstairs on that bad boy. You know? <laughs> well, like, like, it used to be past the red, past the red. You know what I mean? Now you, you might ask yeah. what you want the burnt, you know what I mean? Or the crimson <laughs> or the scarlet or whatever. You know, whatever that means. So it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's no longer just to say, make it green. You know, you got to look at all the shades of green, you know what I mean? Or, right. or when you order. Th- so as we go through this show, I guess I would challenge people to, to, to not be a, not be scared of change, at least be open-minded to it. Think from a creative standpoint and, and kind of look at those particular things. The first thing I wanted to throw at you, Matt, was, when it comes to rules, I think one of the trickiest things is becoming enforcing them. You know, there's certain rules. Yeah. The, the, one of the things from a past show that came up in my notes, um, and again, it's so cool how people are kind of catching up with expanding the zone. I just had feedback this week on our official show there from a couple of weeks back. And they were talking about how rules that are written poorly or rules that are very, uh, uh, you know, kind of subjective can make it very difficult on officials to enforce them. And I got to thinking about, you know, the way we enforce a kid not bringing a pencil to class or how we enforce a tardy now compared to 15, 20 years ago, all of these different things. What, what do you find difficult in terms of the enforcement when it comes to not maybe being cut and dry, but an official kind of having to use a, a, a little bit of a, of a, a judgment such as the hand check in basketball or, you know, the, the, the certain things, um, you know, in terms of incidental contact and, and, and football and those types of things. What, what, what do you think is difficult in the enforcing of rules? It's, it, you named a couple there, any sport where there is contact on every play and, you know, like holding in football or, or, uh, like you said, in basketball, you know, there's constant sort of contact and hands touching each other and bodies flying. And, and you know, man, what do I let go? What do I call stuff like that? I'll take it a step. Left. Now, I'm going to go in a totally different direction on you here, Shane, because this is one of the ones I was going to bounce off of. I'm going to put you on the spot here. All right. We've talked about transfers on the show before, right? right? We talked a couple weeks ago on one of our shows. I think at times state athletic associations, like in our case, the OHSA, they make rules that are, in my mind, very difficult to enforce. I mean, take the transfer rules. If, if you get on the OHSA website, there's basically an entire section dedicated of their bylaws to transfers. There's like nine or ten exceptions right. on, okay, here's – if you transfer, you have to sit half the season unless you meet one of these, you know, like nine things. I guess here's my point. And I'll just play devil's advocate here for a minute because I know people want to talk about transfers as an issue. We can't let it just happen nonstop or whatever. We live in America, right? I mean, if 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 you send your school to if you send your kid to school A, should your kid not be allowed to play sports at school A? He's allowed to go to science class. He's allowed to go to math class. My point is, should there be a rule at all? I mean, should there be any restriction on where a kid goes to school and plays? I mean, I was thinking about this the other night. Because here's the deal. We know, we know that, that people are bending those rules. Uh, they, are, they are breaking those rules. They are, they are um, figuring out loopholes and ways around it. Um, 
well, I'll say I'm living in this house, but I'm, I'm just sort of, you know, kind of living in it. I'm really, you know, I guess my point is, if as an organization, you can't enforce that, because I think the OHSA would admit they don't have the manpower to go out and investigate. No. They can't jump in a van and go look at every house. They, what they do is they leave that up to the schools to self-police, okay? Well, if you're leaving it up to the schools to self-police, that's telling me you can't police it. So if you can't enforce rules, should you have a rule? Should, like in that case right there, in your opinion, should, should, should we have a rule on that? I guess it's sort of like cell phones in school as a teacher. Do you get to a point where you say, I can't fight it anymore, so I have to just accept it, or do you just keep fighting it? Well, I think that's why the cell phone rule has become so much more flexible in the middle school and especially in the high school setting is for that particular reason. It, it does become very difficult to police. So what, what it is is you try to adapt and you try to make certain things to keep it under control. You know, going back to what you were just saying a second ago, it, it becomes very difficult. Sometimes we set things where you don't want to enforce them. So what you do is you set something at a level where you never dream it'll get. You know, I think of like Draymond Green there in the NBA Finals that one year where, what what is it? I don't know the exact rule, like your fourth flagrant foul or your fifth technical or whatever. You're, you know, you're setting it at a point where like, well, who in the world's going to get that? And then all of a sudden he does in the NBA Finals. And, and you know, some people be like, oh, you can't suspend a star in the NBA Finals. Well, stop being an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, I, did you know? Did you know this year, Shane, in the OHSA? Maybe you saw this. Maybe you didn't. Uh, an ejection for fighting now hmm. in, in high school sports is a four-game suspension. Did you see that? Right. So and, like, and, and it kind of goes back to that. Some people say, "Oh, that's a bit much." And, and don't fight. He says, "Don't fight." <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, like you know, the two-game suspension for an ejection. Is, is there and let's face it there can be some goofiness that happens but but the four game for fighting there's no weird situation if you throw down you know don't fight i mean right. i mean if it happens i'm probably sitting here talking now it's gonna happen to one of my guys right but if if, if it happens to one of my players i'm gonna say look man what are you doing you know so but anyway i mean yeah sometimes you set a rule so um uh, I don't know, lenient, that if it's broken, it's like, man, what are you going to do for a guy? Well, and, and you and you made the point of should we just turn – the only place I'll defend the OHSA, like on the transferring thing, is – and, again, I'm not a parent, and, and I'm not I'm not here to tell parents what to do. I'm just saying that when, when there's a situation where you'll see examples of people uh, signing over, you know, guardianship, um, when you see people doing different things with marriage or with, um, you know, like you said, address or different things to find that loop. Again, I don't know what you do. And, that, and that's what I mean by the enforcement or the difficult. Sometimes it's so vague because let's face it, there isn't a way to police it. There isn't right. a way to properly, to, to properly write it. And, and unfortunately what I've seen happen is there's some people who have legitimate situations that are sometimes too upfront and too honest and they end up costing themselves. You know what I mean? It, it almost, right. it, it, it's bad because sometimes it sets up to, 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 to be negative. So I think, I think that's something to keep in mind when we start going through these rules tonight too, not, not only think about change, not only think about choices, but think about how difficult it is to, to write these things and then carry through with them and, and, and enforce them. The, the next thing on my list, Matt, was what, what's been some game changing? I guess the easy one that jumps out at us, I think you and I both agree that you know, rally scoring and, and volleyball was something that, uh, that was really dynamic. And I guess, yeah. I guess what it did was 
it made um, the action go a little bit quicker. Uh, I know volleyball started to look at some things in terms of the first contact uh, coming over. I know some of the old school people really kind of hate some of the different skill things that that's allowed to to uh, kind of you know not not take away, but certainly loosen up. Uh, but but I think we all can agree that the game. Um, got faster. The game got to a situation with the libero to where it specialized certain talent. It, it now all of a sudden allowed uh, the girl that's 5-1 or the girl that's 6-1 the opportunity to dominate in their different areas. And let's face it, volleyball is very unique in that way. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, basketball, you're not allowed to run your offensive and defensive unit on the floor, right? They've got to train right. to play both. Uh, so it, it is. There, there's some dynamic things there, but would would you think it's fair to say that volleyball kind of leads the charge in terms of creativity and marrying their high school game a little bit more with the college game? And no matter what you think of the rules, it certainly has made the game faster. Uh, it's made it more entertaining and certainly something that uh, high school girls, quite frankly, in the last decade have started to choose over a lot of other options. Yeah, I think I agree. I think rally scoring is one of the best things that any sport in high school has ever done. Now, let me ask you this, because I'm going to put you on the spot. I want to do two things on rally scoring here. Okay, right. one, one, when rally scoring first happened, I can't remember when that was. Was that like mid 90s? When was that? When did that come uh, in? It was into the 2000s. Okay, was it that uh, I was late? writing for JJ Huddle. I'm pretty sure it was um... – because when uh, we had a school, uh, Westfall, you'll see the banner behind me here if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, again, on YouTube, that's SVC Sports Zone Shane, if you want to check us out. The banner you see behind me there, Westfall, uh, was a team that had gone to the state tournament three straight years. And okay. if I'm not mistaken, that the, the years uh, that they were at the state tournament, we were still there in rally scoring. And for some of our local listeners, they'll remember the, the name Cassie Sowers, real good player. That that would have been early 2000s, I believe. Okay. So, so we're, we're, we're looking at what? Maybe just to be, say, 15 years without me looking it up. So now I'm guessing when that happened, you remind me, there had to be a few people out there that said, what are we doing? What are we changing? Am I right? Did it probably meet some resistance a little bit? I think it did, and and I think the reasons being, one, a lot of people, let's face it, volleyball at the collegiate level, Matt, isn't like a football or basketball that's, that's as highly promoted. So maybe a lot of the the um, upper levels or the different levels uh, as people started to, to see this kind of starting to be more creative at the higher levels. Two, I think I think you always have your people that they don't understand how to compare things. Like, you know, how do, how do you start to compare a – uh, a record the digs the dig well that was that was one of the things field. i was that was one of the things i was going to hit you with okay okay uh, let's come back to that because i want to do this first so because uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna put you on a spot because i already know how you feel about this all right so <laughs> so there were there were some people there were some people hey what are we doing with this rally scoring thing now my golly we've this has been the way we've always done it it's good to go um well, what if like 20 years from now, people were sitting on a podcast like this saying, I'll tell you the best thing high school basketball ever did was this Elam ending. I mean, this thing has, this thing has made oh, the boy. end of games exciting. It, it straightened some fouling out at the end of games because, Hey, who knows? I mean, you roll your eyes back. Hey, look, it's hard to predict the future, right? I mean, back to the future too, in 2015 had flying cars, if you remember, right? Well, that didn't happen in 2015. So we don't know, we don't know what the future holds, but Hey, what, what if 
15 years from now, people are talking about what a great thing Elam ending is to basketball. I mean, could it be? The, the, the Elam ending, listen, was it, was it entertaining <laughs> in, in the summer basketball? What's that called? The basketball tournament? The um, basketball yeah, yeah. tournament. So it reminds you back in your Gus Macker days, our <laughs> age, where hey, game point, you know what I mean? And it's you know, and, you know, I I don't know. I just to me, there, hey, there's Gus, a lot Gu- more. hey, Gus Macker has a good rule: the jump ball should go to the defense. That's that's my thing. That's my thing. But anyway, go go back to it. Go back. No, I just I to me to me I just I I don't get it. I mean, you know, you you come to a certain point total, and then you're going to catch up or whatever. I mean. That, again, that, that's the creativity of time and score and some different things. And that's, that's again, as we talk about different things, that would be another thing for the shot clock and some different things to, uh, you know, to, to get more creative. You know, we don't need to give 75,000 chances at the free throw line, like with the double bonus right. and things like that. Oh, we, the double bonus is one, Jay. You know, so, so those are all factors in time and score that I would probably attack first before I just say – right in the middle of the fourth quarter, hey, let's decide to turn the clock off and play to this score. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, you know. Now, you mentioned the records in all seriousness. That's, yes. that, that's an interesting thing when you talk about it these is. rule changes because, like, obviously, I think rally scoring is great in volleyball. I think it's outstanding. Now, with that being said, there is absolutely zero way to compare a setter from 1985 to a setter from now other than the eye test right statistically you can't compare because you got setters now they're getting their thousands assist midway through their sophomore year right and that would you know obviously almost mathematically impossible for that to have happened back then think about this shane just as another example then i'll let you comment on it basketball same way in my generation when i was coming up through high school and anytime a record was set somebody would score a thousand points somebody scored 1500 points well the old timers would say, you had the three-point line. Uh, We didn't have the three-point line. Well, now the old timers, I'm pointing at myself, could very well (laughs) look at the people breaking records now and say, you got eight more regular season games than I got. You're playing 22 games a season. We played 20. So there's always going to be some of that. Don't you agree when rules change that it affects the history of the game a little bit? Oh, I don't, I don't think there's any question. You talked about Major League Baseball in terms of the 60 games they're going to play. There's going to be a lot of people that, that have Oh, what if a guy that. hits 400? Right. I mean, um, somebody get 400. Th- there, there's no question. Um, I, I, think, I think, too, Matt, what happens is where volleyball so unique, not only is it the eye test, but when you start playing the, the, the best of five, I right. can tell you from experience in doing SVCSportsZone.com and, and looking at this for a decade worth of data now, not only is it hard to compare now to then, it's also hard to compare setter on the really elite team compared to the setter on that middle of the pack team. And hit, let me explain myself. What happens is the setter on the really good team or the hitter on the really good team, what do they do, Matt? Every night they go out for three sets, right? They dominate the opponent, match over. Right. That 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 pretty good player on the middle team makes their team good enough to kind of compete four or five sets with the top half, but they're also just bad enough to kind of let the bottom half kind of compete with them. And throughout the course of the year, they play a lot of four and five set matches. Well, what are they going to do? They're going to accumulate more assists. They're sure. going to accumulate more. I know that's why, like when we do our stats, we try to do them per set, which is fine and say a league leaders or a county leader type of thing. But in terms of career total, 
let's face it, the people playing those those extra sets are going to get to a thousand digs, fifteen hundred sure. digs, you know, two thousand assists, one thousand kills, all of those different things. So, look, milestones are are huge uh, for sure. Records become very difficult to compare. But at the end of the day, I think if you do something for the betterment, why why is it wrong? Now we're already 10 years into this and people are already starting to become more comfortable with it. Why isn't it okay to have pre-rally scoring, post-rally scoring? You know, why isn't it okay wrong. to someday have, you know, you know or, or the, the pre-three-point line, the post-three-point line? Although I, I don't know that the three-point line is, is, is much of a factor as, like you said, eight extra games are actually more games. I mean, right. you know, the three-point shot, let's face it, you still got two for it, so you're only talking about yeah. one point. And if you watch some of the old videos, I mean, the, the guys that could shoot it out there, they played seven feet off of you because it was worth two points. I mean, it right, was you know, right. a lot of dynamics there, I don't think. But I think – I do think when I look back, when I look back at high school basketball in the late 80s and you talk to people there – nothing and when i watch these old films during this COVID 19 you know all, all the old games are on right and i'm telling you when i would watch some of those old college games for the three it was brutal there was I no mean, spacing it, it was no, just all jumbled was, up well it's just yeah no no flow it, it hurt the skill the, the three-point line changed the game in a very unique way so when i start talking game changing i have to put the three-point line uh, on an even playing field to the rally scoring i really do and that's why i think now here we are 20 25 years later uh that that, that you know basketball's a little bit at a standstill in that in that that particular situation uh because of of you know creativity at that point and now maybe lacking a, a, a little creativity um, now let, let me jump to, to to this category what rules haven't worked you know what i mean in other right. words over the years we we tried that, or or I'll even I'll even go this far. What 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 rules maybe worked for a second, but are a little bit outdated? Um, you know the 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 three second call in basketball. Right. Stay in the box in baseball. When's that ever enforced? Never. You know I mean, you you know, people with the wristbands are stepping out on every play. You know, seven fifteen, eight. Oh, it drives me nuts. You know, yeah. whatever it is, you know, those that's never enforced. Um. But the three-second call, it obviously made sense in the day of a Wilt Chamberlain or, or those types of guys playing right. and parking down there in the middle of the paint. As time's gone on with spacing and different things like that, maybe Shaq is a more modern example of where that's still a factor. But do, but do you don't you think sometimes the, the three-second rule becomes a little bit tricky? You'll see someone who has kind of their heel in the lane, and an official will just be looking to make a call and sometimes go. Now, some people would say, look, that's the rule. Or other well, people the, would say it's the spirit of the. That's rule. what I would say. Yeah, the rule versus the spirit of the rule a little bit. I'll tell you one that jumps to mind, Shane. Maybe maybe I'm jumping you here, and you were going to say it, but yeah. the, one of the worst rules ever put into play in basketball is this double bonus. That's just an awful rule. <laughs> the double bonus is an awful rule. I mean, you had me laughing one time. I don't want to steal your quote. You once oh, told man. me that's just giving a terrible free throw shooter a second yeah. shot. It, you know? Isn't that the truth? Yeah. But but the, think about this now. When the double bonus, think about how laughable this train of thought is. When the double bonus was put into play one of the things they said was this is going to discourage fouling like late <laughs> games yeah well now think about that for a minute okay you're down six with a minute to go the other team's holding the ball man i'd like to foul 
stop this clock because I'd like to maybe have a chance to win. But you know what? They're getting two free throws now. So I'll just <laughs> let them hold the ball, run the clock out, and lose. No, it, they could get five free throws. You're still going to foul because you have no other choice. You go for the steal, you don't get it, you foul. So this double bonus thing is just a joke. And, I mean, as bad a rule as it is to have lasted for, man, what, 25 years? I mean, it's been around a long time now. I mean, it's just a, it's a just, terrible, it's, terrible it's, rule. It, it's, it's terrible. And, and, it, and it kills the officials, Matt, because what happens is it's supposed to, it's supposed to, like you said, stop fouling. But now officials, the last thing you want to do is put people into the double bonus. Because as, as I know you hate, we put the fouls right up there on the board. Oh, why you do that? I don't have seven. any idea. And we don't start it over at the quarter. So they go to the foul. So how many times have you seen it? We'll call five fouls, six fouls, seven fouls in the first quarter. Well, now the second quarter becomes a bloodbath because we're not going to call them anymore, right? right? So it's a situation where the double bonus – ends up doing the opposite of what it was set to be. And, and that just amazes me. I can't imagine the intelligent people sitting around a table at some point and saying to themselves, hey, let's, let's put this double bonus in. And, and even if the guy misses the first free throw, let's give him another one. Yeah, I mean, Why it not? just doesn't it just doesn't make any sense on that common file. So I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you completely. Now, when I was talking about stepping out of the box in baseball, baseball is a sport that um, is criticized for the speed of the game. Okay. And, right. and I don't know, again, very difficult to enforce if you're going to call strikes on the batter for coming out. You know, they've tried at the lower levels, Matt, talking about rule changes, the pitch clock. Um, right. You know, getting the ball and being up there ready to make your pitch, and and, and, and so many times they're they're trying different things in the major leagues now um, that we'll get to here in, a, in in a segment just a second that they're trying even more and more things. But how much do you think the pace of a game? We just gave volleyball credit. How much do you think the pace of the game in this um, microwave gotta have it right now society is important to the popularity of each of these individual sports that we're talking about in the generations to come i don't i i'm sure it plays a little bit of a role um you know i think it plays more of a practical role though like at the high school level let's face it if you're playing baseball you've got a daylight issue you know, so baseball already takes a while in high school. We talked about how it's longer than softball. So I think at the high school level, there are some things you have to consider. Like, like for instance, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I was glad when they said you don't have to throw four pitches to walk a guy anymore. I always thought that was the cheesiest thing sure. ever. Like, yeah. why do we have to throw four pitches to intentionally walk a dude? Well, especially with the pitch count. Yeah, now at the high school level, definitely you don't want to do that. But, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, I, I think things like that, that, you know, can just keep the courtesy runners, some things that at the high school level, I mean, like, like Shane, uh, here's, a, you know, the rule that's going to be, I think, I think the whole major league baseball is going to have a DH now. Right. So we've, you know, I've, I've always been, year, yeah. I've always been anti DH because I, I watch real baseball. It's called the national league. Okay. And, and, and I've always been against the DH, but at the high school level, I, I've always liked the DH because it gives another kid a chance to play. It gives another kid a chance to get involved and participate. I don't know how you feel about that. Well, but you know, for the longest time, there I've always been able to separate it quite a bit. I, I, there's certainly a baseball purist in me, an old school baseball soul. Uh, but but again, trying to be open minded to change. I, I guess 
you know, when, when I'm a coach and I'm, I'm, I'm really analyzing the game and different things, yeah, I guess I have a little bit of that old school in me. But, man, sometimes as a fan, I just assume, you know, Albert Pujols come up the bat and rather than to, you know, watch, you know, you know, Garcia of the Cardinals grab a bat and hit. You know what I'm saying? Right, like it's one right. of those things where I, I, I just assume maybe sometimes I, I guess I'm open minded to, to seeing what can happen in 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 the game. I, I know I know throughout my life some of the greatest hitters, uh, you know, Martinez there in Seattle, so forth has been been DH and, and so if you can introduce 10, 15 more stars to the game, which is something I desperately think we need, uh, I, I guess I'm open minded to it. Um also, in the speaking of the National League, it it might allow starting pitchers to go a little deeper, which is something that started to bother me a little bit. You know what I mean? Like these, these yeah. guys get into the fourth or fifth inning now. Not only do we have to start getting someone loose when they get to eighty in their pitch count, we <laughs> we also we also as a manager in the, in the National League, Matt, your hands are tied a little bit. You're in a tied game in the fifth sure. inning sixth inning bases loaded two outs are you going to let are you giving that opportunity away or are you going to send a guy up there to hit so i I, again i probably i probably agree with you more than i don't but again it's something i'm trying to be very open-minded to and go speaking of open-minded what's your take on them putting a guy at second base in extra inning i'm a little different than you man like 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 I'm not saying we should go to the Elam ending tomorrow, but I'm more open to it than you are because I've always I've always been a little more open to like the cre. Uh, it intrigues me the outside of the box thinking and stuff. Okay, that's always intrigued me. So I kind of like it. I mean, I, I I I feel dirty saying it. Like I need to go take a shower. Okay, but I I kind of like this guy on second base and the extra innings just because. Think about that, man. Like every every extra inning pitch is going to be crucial because you got a guy in scoring position you know so in a way i kind of like it i guess i'll have to see how some of these rules you kind of got to see how it goes a little while don't you it's kind of hard to know you know if you'll like it i I, like i can remember when like all this instant replay stuff came out people's like oh it's going to slow the game down i'm going to hate it i'm going i love it you know i do i just i just think letting i mean we have the technology use it you know so get it right yeah. So I but mean, now I, I am the first to admit. Sometimes, as a as a fan, it does kind of just you know let's hurry up already. So, but but again, right. I guess you're weighing it in terms of hey, let's get it right to make sure that you know the, the call's right. I, I I agree with you there. I I like I I don't have a problem with the with the guy on second. Um, it's a situation maybe in the postseason. I I I would like to see them play it out and and play. Well, I think they are, and, and they post- are. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but now in the regular season, uh, the longer I I I follow baseball and so forth, I I don't know that we need 14, 15, 16 inning games. I don't know. I don't know who wins from that. Even even if someone loves the game as much as I do, um, you know. Uh, so and, and keep in mind too, people freak out. It both teams are getting it. You know, it's not like a football yeah, overtime yeah. where where Drew Brees and, and, and Brett Favre are in a in a shootout and the coin flip decides if one guy may never touch the ball, right? Right. It, it, well that's the thing, like college football, people like purists will say, What a stupid overtime rule college football has. I've always liked it better. I mean, I, I like high school and college football overtime better than I like the pros because I know each team's going to get a shot. You know, that's just my yeah. thing. So, hey, like, take back to baseball real quick, though. Yeah. I, and I, we knew on this show we are going to be all over the place with these rules. We're not sure. going sport by sport here. But high school baseball, okay, 
obviously, you know, limiting uh, big X training games in high school is really crucial for that matter because of this pitch count, right? Do you like pitch count better than inning rule? It's always been an inning rule up to a couple of years ago. Now it's a pitch count rule, which is better. Well, I, well, I'll say this, Matt. No, no matter I, I, I separate no matter what I think to the, the good of kids, obviously that's why right. we do what we do. And from a safety standpoint, the pitch counts better. Uh, what was right. happening way too many times, you know, it's not always just the total number of pitches, Matt, in my, in my experience, which is about 25 years now, it's the stressful pitches. It's right. the, it's the consecutive, you know, if, if you, if you can stay at 15 to 20 innings going, or excuse me, 15 to 20 pitches an inning, going an extra inning or two may not be that big a deal, but it's the overall inning. You, you know, if, if all of a sudden you have one of those like 45, 50 pitch innings, yeah, that's, that's not healthy. You know what I'm yeah. saying? That, that's not healthy. So, you know, when I think of, of safety, I say pitch count first. It, it, it's think, think, think of that too, Matt. You, you kind of lead into a, a really interesting topic. Don't you think safety has a lot to do with these things? You think of uh, – you know, Major League Baseball with the the sliding rule in the second, um, the collision with the catcher, the right. you know they they've adjusted that. You know, I, I even look back. I'd have to I'd have to look it up. But I mean, again, all these I love these old games, man. I'm going back like a you know just it, like a kid in a candy store watching all these things. I want to say it was back in the early '70s when they decided a probably be safer if we wore some batting helmets. <laughs> you know, <so> like, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, these dudes just got up there in a hat, you know. I mean, yeah, on, so, man. so could you could you imagine well, Rollis, speaking of Rollis Chapman on the mail today, oh. and like Trout just you had to dig in with his hat on? I mean, like, I, I mean, mean if, if well, think about safety in all seriousness at the high school level, yes, at every level. Think about all the stuff in football the last few years. The trying to basically, mm-hmm. let's be honest almost eliminating the kickoff or trying to now that hasn't worked at the high school level because no one, not enough guys can kick it deep enough to, to, to limit it, but like limiting the kickoffs, uh, the bite, the blindside blocks or the crackback blocks, you know what I mean? And football, that's something they're, they're really trying to, um, take out of the game a little bit for safety. So I agree. I think any rule, that can help the safety of the game, especially if it doesn't take away like total integrity of the game. I mean, I don't want to see rules that change the game completely. Like, you know, in football, it's, I agree with these people to say, it's not like you can take all violence out of football. It's a violent game. Okay. If you're going to take all violence out, you basically just end the game. But is there anything wrong with not letting you clean a dude's clock when he's not looking on an interception return? I don't think so. That doesn't hurt the integrity of the game. Let's save, let's save the guy from getting a concussion. Right. Now, one thing, though, that's interesting to me, and I was going to ask you this, outside of the kid's health, like, so in baseball, we limit how much a kid can pitch, right, to save right. his arm. The one, some of the rules that have bothered me, though, a little bit over the years is limiting how much kids can play um, if, mm. if it's not a health thing. Now, and I think those rules probably went into place with health in mind, but I think, in all honesty, they're sort of – I don't know. I mean, they're, they're one, they're, they're outdated Two, they're hard to enforce. Let, let me hit you with a few examples at the high school level. We limit how much a kid can play in the summer. You know, we say basically coaches can coach kids for, 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 for 10 days. We limit how much um, 
kids can play during the season, right? Like, okay, in basketball, you're allowed five quarters a night. You're allowed a certain number of games a year or a certain number of quarters a year. I know there's rules like that in baseball, right? How many games you're allowed to play. I guess my question is, why do we care how much a kid plays in the summer? Or how much a coach coaches in the summer? Like, 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 why does the OHSAA want to limit how much I can coach my kids in the summer when one, let's be real honest, they can't really enforce it. It's up to me to have some integrity and not break the rule. And not everybody does. So that right rule is getting broken. They can't enforce that. It's not like they can, they got enough manpower to start secretly sneaking into gyms and seeing who's working out or whatever. There's no way to enforce it. If kids, if kids are in the gym working out, they're not out on the streets doing stupid stuff, getting in trouble. Why, why are we limiting how much we're allowed to take our athletes under adult supervision and have those positive influences around them all summer long? And, and, and I know they're going to say, well, we have to protect kids who, who want to play football and basketball and baseball. What if all the coaches are pulling them different directions? Well, that's a school issue, and that's a coaching issue. That's not an OHSA issue, in my opinion. They shouldn't police, um, you know, I guess, the, the ethics of, of, of the coaches and the schools uh, in, in that regard. I mean, let, let, let kids play. For instance, the, the quarter limitations in basketball. I, I've never oh, – did they, did they increase that to six? <clears throat> They've increased it this year, and let's face it, why? Well, because girls' JV basketball mm-hmm. is dying on the vine. You're getting right. two-quarter games all the time. You're having a lot of schools that can't field, that can't field seventh and eighth-grade teams. Right. So they're, they're being forced to allow kids to play more. But here's my deal. Why not just let them play? I mean, do you honestly think there's any coach – do you honestly think there's a varsity coach in America who says, man, I've got this all-Ohio point guard. <laughs> I'm going to go down yeah. – hey, I'm, I'm going to let him play JV. game this Friday. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to let him play JV, too, because we want to win the league in JV so we can twist an ankle down there. No, no, or vice versa. I, you know, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is if a kid's good enough to play at the varsity level, he's not going to be playing down there at the JV level or freshman level. What's the – who cares if a kid plays six quarters, seven quarters? I mean, he's playing basketball, right? It's not a health thing. Now, I get it, pitch count, right? I, now, football, football's a sport. Because now you're playing Saturday morning JV games. You can't be letting a kid go out and play four quarters on Friday night and then come in and play three quarters Saturday morning. That's a health issue. Don't get me wrong. If it's a health issue, that's one thing. But you you understand what I'm saying? Like the limiting play, just for the sake of limiting play, has never made sense to me. Well, it has. And I think a lot of it you said it was outdated. And I think the other point you made is I think the challenge has to be put on schools to – to structure their athletic program with some integrity. You know, I think, I think the biggest concerns at the smaller schools is sometimes your elite programs, Matt, you do, and you touched on this, you get that monopoly, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like as soon as you turn them loose and, and, and basically all the kids are put into this one spot, but like you said, that's more of a local issue. So again, I think that that's on the ADs. I think that's on the principals and so forth. I, I will give them credit at the OHSA level and, and for whatever reason, they've been forced to do it. I know in baseball, they've become far more creative in allowing the individual player, I believe it's 32 now, where the teams can play 27. You know, if you have right. that kid that can go back and forth and play, and, and a lot of times that allows, you know, because what people don't understand is sometimes you need those two extra kids 
for seven other baseball players to play like five or six times. You see what I'm saying? Like you need, without them, there's no JV. It's the same way you're saying in girls basketball, just allowing one or two more kids. I've said for years, I have no idea in in boys basketball why we don't call it sophomore basketball instead of freshman basketball and have sophomores down on the Just call it team A level, B level, whatever, whatever. right. But, but, But because we do that, I know I know freshman boys basketball is in our area over the last 10, 15 years is slowly starting to take a hit. We we have a league of eight teams, and it seems like every year we have one or two that struggle to have a freshman boys team. And as you said, we have over half our league sometimes that struggles to play four quarters in JV girls. So uh, JV baseball, JV softball, the same way uh, because of the dynamic to where we're playing at at the same time at opposite sites and you can't really use those kids, right. it, it becomes, it becomes very, very difficult. So I, I do, I think numbers and, and opportunities to, to, to play are, are a big thing. So, you know, we, we talked about how safety drives things. I right. also wanted to talk to you about technology. We touched yes. on instant replay yeah. a little bit in different things. I wanted to get your take on this. You know, we've talked about the Astros cheating in a, in a current show and how technology and video and, you know, having video during a game compared to after a game or whatnot. But I even wanted to throw at you, like, on the golf course. The, there, there's some people out there, and, and pace of play comes up in here. There's some people out there that says, hey, part of the skill of golf is understanding to count off your yardage or to – or to recognize the wind or to recognize the different factors that influence a shot and what club you're going to hit compared to nowadays, you and I were just using it yesterday on the golf course, right? We have our, we have our yardage thing. We look, Hey, what do you got there? Uh, it's this to the front, this to the middle, this to the back, and you're rattling it off to me. Right. What, what do you, do you think, where, where do you stand on that? Do you, do you think that it takes away from the overall, um, challenge of golf or the skill of golf in terms of of the thinking part of the game uh or do you think hey we've got it it, let's use it let's 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 quicken the round and and let's go where where do you stand on technology when it comes to those types of things of taking some of the thinking out of sports i'm in favor of technology in almost every situation unless it hurts the integrity of the game and i don't like like i don't want robots umpiring Okay, I don't want that. You know what I'm saying? We've heard stuff like that before. That, to me, isn't what it's supposed to be. It's a human sport, right? But, like, do I care that a kid's trying to walk off his yardage? I mean, you know, do you think Jack Nicholas feels like Tiger Woods has had an advantage over him because of range finders or because of pro V1s and, and, and better clubs? And You know what I mean? What I'm saying is the, game, the, the history of the sport is affected way more in golf by equipment, correct, than it is than it is range finders or technology. So so like to me, if you're a high school, I'll give you another like high school pace pace of play in golf is so crucial. Let's talk golf just for a second. It's so sure. crucial. Because that golf, I love golf. I mean it's my absolute biggest passion probably in any sport that, that there is. All right. And I've coached basketball for twenty some years, but I love golf. And the and the thing of it is though, Shane, Golf can be miserable if it's the pace of play is bad. And at the high school level, I'll give you another one. Besides technology, I want to come back to technology on a couple other sports. But what, like in golf, what about double par in high school? You know, do we let kids get 10, 11s, and 12s? Or do we just say, hey, it's a double par. Let's move on, partner, because you're out here just hacking it around. And, and I know, like, 
you know, we have uh, an outstanding female player in our area, uh, Maddie Schultz, who who's, yeah. you talk about a lot on your show. It's It's got to be brutal for her in certain matches to, to knock her drive 250 yards down the fairway and then watch her opponents hack it up through there. And she has to stand there and wait to hit her next shot. So I think pace of play is important. So back to your thing about technology. Yeah, man, let's, if it speeds things up, let it go. I have no problem with that. I'll, I'll give you a couple other – I don't want to cut you off, but I'll give you a couple other examples on technology, Shane. And, and if you want to come back to the golf thing, you can. But, like, technology's helped track in high school immensely with, with the FAT timing. Uh, a lot of these invitationals you go to now, the kids wear, like, a little chip on their shoe and everything's computerized timing. I mean, it's helped immensely, man, with, with not having to have the same number of workers and volunteers that are sitting there with stopwatches and to not have to, to be able to more quickly tabulate the scores and the standings and the points. It moves the whole night along faster. I'll tell you another technology thing I think we, we, we need to be allowed to use more is, is weather stuff. You know, in baseball, we have lightning, right? We have issues. We have football, we have lightning issues. I could pick up my phone and it, it tells me right now, hey, the nearest lightning strike was 30 miles away. Well, but if we see it, we're supposed to stop play, right? And, and you may feel differently than me about this because I know safety should come first. I get it. But I guess what I'm saying is I've seen high school football games canceled due to little heat lightning in the distance, you know, and recently they changed that rule to where if you don't hear thunder, you know, you have some flexibility there. But I guess my point is why not use technology even in that situation? So to me, uh, if we have the technology, let's use it. Well, and I think the key is it goes back to what I was talking about, putting the sec the guy on second base to start extra innings. It's not like, you know, you get to do it in the top half and I don't get to do it in the bottom half. You see right. what I'm saying? It, it's, it's an equal thing um, in, in terms of both. So, like, if, if, if it's available to everyone, it's one thing. Now, I will say that sometimes it might be hard to compare um, – through generations of sports, you know, to, to say that equipment hasn't changed golf would be oh. obviously false. You know, we're sitting here as, as we record the day, a 50 year old Phil Mickelson's, you know, winning. Why is he able to still compete at 50 years old to me has a lot to do with the equipment that allows him to still hit it at a distance to where that incredible short game can play. Is that fair? Right. I mean, it, it's, oh, it's, it's really fair. I mean, I, you talk about watching these ESPN classic games. I saw a while back, John Daly's victory at PGA. Uh, they, they came across the screen and said he led the PGA in driving distance like that year, the following year at 299 yards. Now oh, look wow. that up today. Yeah. I mean, you'll, I Not think close. I right. think, 299 yards wouldn't even get you on the list. I mean, there, you, you go down to like 30th place. Those guys are like at 310, 320, you know, driving distance. So, again, it's the equipment, right? It's that, that, those, that's why now you're seeing golf courses with 520-yard par fours and majors because the only way they can keep up with the player's equipment and their skill is to try to stretch these golf courses out, to try to protect the history and the integrity of the game. But anyway, yeah, so on the technology side of things, um, I'm, absol I'm absolutely all for it. I mean, if, if – if, let me ask you this in golf. Since we're on the subject of golf, I'm going to jump around here a little bit. Now, this is, this is outside the box. Again, I told you I like, I like things outside the box. Should we have gimmies? Should we have gimmies? I just looked up three feet and in. 
and I, and I don't know if this is accurate, but I looked it up here while we were talking. I just quickly Googled it, and I didn't do a lot of research and check this number with some other websites. But in, in the PGA, inside of three feet, it's 99.4% of putts are made. They said that's equivalent to what extra points were in football before, they, before the NFL backed them up, before they mm -hmm. backed it up to whatever it is now, like a 30-yard basically extra point or whatever. So – should we just say, ah, you know, it's good, three feet? Should we have give-me's? Would that, would that speed up? I, I, mean, I, I think absolutely. How important in, in is fact, it? Fact, it's funny you say that because I looked up the same thing, Matt, and I went a step further and went out to four feet, and I think it goes down to like 91 and a half. Yeah. Okay, so how about that? A foot drops it, right? So, in my point, and, and again, I know they're what colonial there uh, last week. There was a oh, short yeah. putt miss, and I don't know exactly what the foot. You know, what the range I, I think, was I think that. that I think that was like I think that was like a five and a half footer maybe or okay, something. Maybe. That, yeah. So my, my, my point is though it if if you if you put some sort of thin line around the hole, something that's not going to take away from the beauty of the course or it's not gonna be an eyesore, it's not gonna be anything there. And it's something there that allows you to recognize because I I watched I watched again going back to the travelers here this weekend. I was watching the the featured group today of Phil Mickelson, Roy McIlroy, and, and Bryson DeChambeau. And, and I, I went over about a three or four hole stretch where I, with my phone on the stopwatch, I, I went to on tap ends and I looked over about a four hole stretch where their realm would have in, increased by about 10 minutes. Would have been is quick. that right? Yeah, because what happens is I would have never you know, thought it would make you, that big. You've got a, you've got, and now, and again, I couldn't tell exactly from the TV if these are two, three, four foot. But yeah, but let's face it. A lot of times, it's hard for them to just step up and you know knock it in from two, three feet or whatever. The worst thing you want to do is give a stroke away when you're playing for millions of dollars and FedEx points and every place matters, and you you know it just. This guy marks it, he steps back, this guy steps up, he puts his ball down, he squares it up, he puts it in, you know, and three people are doing that. Then even on the weekend groups, you're, you're playing in the twosomes, which I guess is a little quicker. But my point is, if something is happening at a 99.4% clip, isn't that a great opportunity to, to quicken the game, make it a little bit more fan friendly? It's got to be better for the players and, and you you mentioned the extra point in football which they moved back and let's face it now all of a sudden there's a little bit more strategy involved it's not, right. not such a gimme nfl i know has gone taking a look at the onside kick i don't think this passed yet but it was really close where it's, the onside kick's pretty much a, a thing that's gone again safety right 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 um, now they're looking to, to say hey give give the offense the ball and it's like fourth and 15 one play if you, you know, convert it you keep it if not they get the ball right there you know yeah now, i know i think that, that, i would probably intriguing. go me personally i would probably push that to fourth and 20 in today's right. offense and in, in today's pass interference calls and all those right 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 but but i think they're on to something i think i think i think they've said it's like the 20 or 25 fourth and 15 i would probably move it back to about the 10 and I would make it fourth and twenty. I'd make it a little bit more risk reward. And, and don't. And, and the funny thing about it is, Shane, like bringing this back to the high school level, you have to adjust these rules even more at the high school level, don't you? Right. Because at the high school level, you're converting a fourth and twenty fourth, is almost fourth and, unseen. Now fourth and fifth. You're right. Fourth and fifteen. Now you could almost 15, go fourth and ten or Mahomes, twelve, but 
fourth yeah. and 15, Patrick Mahomes is just like a roll out and make a play. You know what I mean? Like or like in golf, you know, <clears throat> there's a bunch of three-footers missed at the high school level. Right. So if you were going to do that give-me rule, you'd have to draw like spray paint a circle more like at a foot or something, you know. You have to sort of just or modify – to the high school level. I, yeah, probably. But I mean, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is if that's how we're doing it at the highest level and we can move it down and we can, and we can right. move the game along. I just think there's a lot of, there, there, there's a lot of positive there. I, I guess we've touched on a lot of these. I wanted to end the show with what, what could be the next big rule changes? I mean, we touched on the shot clock. I think the shot clock could be a very special thing. I think, I think when you look basketball, the three-point line in the mid-80s and what it did throughout the 90s for the game, we, we recognize it as players and, and as coaches. Uh, I just think the shot clock could do that same type of thing. Sometimes it just needs a shot in the arm. You know, what did rally scoring do for volleyball? Well, it was different. It was fun. It was right. fast. It was right. – and then all of a sudden, girls started to get into it more. The fans started to recognize it a little bit more. I think the shot clock could, could, could be something positive. That's why – with the DH, even at the highest levels of baseball, if it could if it could uh, get more stars into the game, if it can get more stars longevity, you know what I mean? If I can watch, um, and, and again, with all the years he was a Cardinal, I'm not the biggest Albert Pujols fan, but let's let's understand greatness, right? Right. If I, could, if I can watch him hit three or four more years as a baseball fan, especially now that he's in the American League, sure, you know what I mean? It's, right. Um, you know, so – so I, I, I think there's, there's some, some things there and we touched on, on the golf, the golf, the three footer and so forth. What, what, is there anything that jumps out at you, Matt, is maybe, uh, the next, the next big thing, uh, rules that still, um, kind of been in the back of your mind you'd love to put out there? Oh, I, I no, I'm not saying, I'm not saying I, I agree with all these. Okay. Uh, I'm just saying some things that I could happen. All right. I could see the, the, the obvious one in basketball, the biggest change yet to be made, I guess, would be the shot clock. Right. We've, uh, you know, people have talked about that enough. So we'll leave that alone, whether it happens or not. Uh, I, I personally think there are some other rules. And when we get into our state of the game, we'll talk about this that are much, much more important for the for the betterment of high school basketball. But football, I could see just the kickoffs eventually not even happening. I, I, now, at the high school level, I'm talking at high school here, I can seriously see uh, kickoffs being eliminated eventually at the high school level. Um, again, I'm not saying I agree with all this. I can see – now, this is really out there. I can see high school baseball, and this concerns me because I don't really want this to happen. I can see high school baseball shortening games to maybe six innings or doing some double headers to five innings or whatever because of – the arms of the pitchers, not having enough pitchers to play. Also, we talked about it last week, how softball gets over so much quicker than baseball. Could they cut an inning off? I would, I don't want that, but I wonder sometimes if that's ever a possibility. Um, some of the other sports we talked about, like golf, um, I think you're going to see some things, you know, you're already the, the, recently you're allowed to leave the pen in on all putts, right? And with this COVID thing, people are getting more and more used to that. So that's going to be more and more of a thing. 
Um, I do think you'll be allowed to use range finders. I wonder eventually if you'll allow, if you'll be with, with the Bluetooth technology and not having the wires and stuff, will cross country runners be allowed to run with earphones in and, and listen to stuff, music, whatever. I think it was a safety issue before with all the stuff that, you know, where now you can just stick in, you know, two little buds and, all that. I'm just throwing a bunch of stuff out there, I guess, Shane, I, just thinking more, I guess I'm thinking more along the lines right now of high school. Lastly, I'll hit you with this. And then I want to hear your opinion on it. Um, mercy rules. That's been a big thing here lately, I guess, right. In all sports. And we live in a society that tries to legislate morality. I say all the time. Right. So I, I don't see these mercy rules going away. Do you see, do you see even more aggressive mercy rules in some sports like basketball and football? We've already got like the running clock in football. Basketball's been the one sport that is sort of been lax to the party on that. Um, I, you know, I, I, 35 points or whatever the clock runs. Do you see more and more of this like sort of mercy rule type thing? trying to limit the embarrassment of blowouts or speed games up. I, I know I threw a lot at you right there. I'm interested just to hear what you have to say about it. Well, I was taking notes as you were going there. First of all, I'll, I'll start where you ended there with the mercy rule. I, again, not to be afraid of change. I'm willing to try different things out. When I first heard of the running clock in football, I thought, man, I don't like that at all. And, and I had two, three different reasons why of, of you know, just getting kids reps and, and, and getting the true four quarters a game or whatever. But then I'll, I'll be honest, it, it's one of the greatest things I've seen when it comes to football Friday night. And maybe I'm looking selfishly as a fan on that. Maybe it'd be interesting to hear from a coach or a player. Um, I did have one person uh, contact contact me from our baseball show talking about mercy rules, saying that when he was in high school that um, – his team wasn't real, real good. And a lot of times he knew it, it would cost him an at bat or maybe an opportunity. Um, right. But on the other side, there was times he'd have to come in to maybe pitch and waste innings or waste pitches uh, just to kind of get the thing over with. And it cost them in, in, in upcoming games. So I, I think on mercy rules, Matt, once, once a game's over, I think again, from a safety standpoint of injury uh, frustration, in terms of keeping control, game control, and different things, I do think you reach a time where, you know, what's done is done, and 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 I'm open-minded to those mercy rules. I really am. I wanted to go back because obviously the one I'm really passionate on is what you're talking about there in baseball. I I understand that the game certainly does need to have a little bit more pace to it. I don't know when we say pace of the game that the overall game has to get over quicker in terms of the average amount of time. It's, it's, it's the downtime or the action, you know, continuing to go to where it's a little bit more attractive to our athletes right. to play and to our fans to watch. <clears throat> I think I, I said this on some past shows, just call strikes. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, they, you know, I, I've, I've tried to research a little bit of the strike zone over the different years. And then, you know, we, we've, you know, we, we've lowered the mound and then the strike zone shrinks. And, you know, I, I honestly feel like when I'm watching baseball on TV now, or even down to high school, if you get quote unquote, a good umpire, I feel like you got to throw it through the bicycle tire to just get a cold strike. So right. think about what that does as coaches. It, it makes it, it gives you no choice as a coach, but to give a, more take signs, 
um, to jack up pitch counts. Um, if, 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 if you have three, four hitters that are overmatched in your high school lineup and, and the pitcher throws ball one, you're almost taken until you get two strikes in some cases. You know what I'm saying? Right. If, you, know, you get that guy out of there by the fourth or fifth inning. Let's right. keep it close, see if we can get to their number two in the, in the sixth inning. We still won late. It's that type of thing. So just, just recognizing the strike zone and calling it a little bit more open, this is particularly in the high school game, I think would open things up. But let's face it, Matt, one theme we haven't talked about tonight in most sports, if you take safety out of it, if you take safety out of, you know, some of the defensive things or special teams things, most sports have tried to make rules that promote offense. You know, right. the NFL is the perfect example all the way down to football. There may not be a more difficult position to play in all of sports than in the NFL backfield. Right. Or, or, or in a defense, defensive backfield. backfield. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, when it comes to football, uh, the, the same the same is the case though in baseball with the home run and and the offense and trying to generate a little bit more there and and so forth when i think of uh the one thing that happened in our generations the smaller ballparks and and the different things is the home runs started to jack up and, and and so forth so i guess when i look at technology when i look at safety when i look at all these different things it, it, it's fascinating to me so on that note matt i I was going to start us on our final thoughts this week, and then I'll kind of give you a chance to make sure that you didn't get cheated there in your notes. I, I guess my final thoughts would read like this. Going back full circle to where I started the night with change, not being afraid of change, recognize, recognizing that we live in a society that just naturally has more choices. And when you close your mind off, you really cheat yourself the opportunity to better yourself or to better your product in some way. So I think, I think being open-minded and recognizing that it's okay to change something, and then if it doesn't work, change it back. It's just like it's just like when when the NFL overreacted. I don't know if overreacted's fair. I mean, it cost the team a game, maybe. But like the Saints Vikings thing with the pass interference, they've they they put that in the instant replay and they recognize that it just didn't work or it just didn't fit. Now they're going to take it out. So it's one of those things. It's okay to try it, and if it doesn't work change it back. But, but, you know, you, sometimes I think we cheat ourselves because we just don't simply try something different. So I think in leadership, which is something we always try to draw this back to at the high school level, I think the willingness to be open-minded and educate yourself on something and to try something uh, and then being open-minded enough to evaluate that, hey, that's really good. Let's keep it. Or, hey, that's not any good at all. Let's not do that anymore. I think that that's kind of the, the summary of tonight's show in terms of my final thought. Yeah, take take a look at your notes there, Matt. Make sure that you didn't get cheated on anything. And just get, maybe give us a final thought on how you would sum up um, the the rules are made to be blank. Yeah, I, I don't have anything else in terms of rules. I want to end <clears throat> what I have to say with, with this. Um, and, it, and it kind of piggybacks a little bit of what you're talking about with some open-mindedness and things like that. I'll take it a step further. I think when we're talking about rule rule setting or rule changes, I think one of the things that gets missed a lot is the rule makers in a lot of cases are not the people who are living these things day to day and are actually seeing what That's is happening yeah. in the trenches, so to speak. So in other words, Let's just take – this frustrates me as an athletic director. I'll just give you this. In, in the league I'm in, the board of control are the principals. Well, 
half these principals don't know a thing about athletics. I'm just going to be straight with you. Okay. They just don't know that much. Some of them would tell you that, Hey, listen, athletics isn't my thing, but yet they're the rule maker to our principals and superintendents who maybe only a portion of those people have any athletic background at all. They're the rule makers while your athletic directors and your coaches aren't, you see what I'm saying? Right. If, if the OHSA, for instance, is making rules, shouldn't the first people they talk to be coaches, be, be ADs, be the people that are living these every day? If I'm going to make rule changes concerning basketball, I'm going to talk to basketball coaches. You know, Same way if I own a restaurant, but I don't have really a lot of restaurant experience. Let's just say I have a bunch of money. I decide to buy a restaurant, start a restaurant. Guess who I'm leaning on? I'm leaning on my manager, my waitresses, my waiters, my cooks. You guys are in the trenches every day. What are you seeing? Right. What needs to change? What needs to get better? Why, why would I sit on my couch thinking, why? Well, I've never had any experience in this, but I can make rules and make good sound judgments here. I think we're missing the boat with communication. I think the rule makers have to dig down into the into the into the lower levels of leadership, coaches, um, athletic directors, when they, when they make these rules so that they, they know, oh, man, I never really even realized this is an issue, but, you know, the coaches are saying this is something they're running into every night, I guess, if, if, if that makes sense. So, I, you know, for me, it's, uh, I think the open-mindedness, you, you take a step further and say, make sure you're asking the right questions if you're in that fortunate position where you're, you're able to affect change and make rules, um, ask the right people, man. I, lean on the people that live it every day. And I think, I think you'll start to see better decisions get made. Uh, that, that, but, you know, that's always been the way I felt about that. Well, I think that makes a ton of sense. I think that's a great way to end it tonight in terms of uh, the way to summarize this. Look, we'd love to hear from you. I know um, I, I probably heard from 10 to 15 officials there when we did the official show, our, our incredible feedback on our little league show, a lot of baseball people reaching out to me there on the baseball show. And, and it's cool, Matt, to see how many people are still catching up with us here on expanding the right. zone. I'm, I'm still getting, I, I got one more cheating uh, feedback this week where people said, Hey, just now getting introduced to the show, we'll, we'll listen to show number two. Uh, so, so check us out there. If you, if you, if you go on iHeart, I iTunes, Spotify, anywhere there, you can go back and you'll see all 12 shows, obviously SVC sports zone, Shane on YouTube, uh, all 12 shows will be up there and, uh, uh, Facebook messenger, uh, Twitter, just look SVC sports zone, easy to find there. Um, you know, really enjoy the conversation back and forth, uh, uh, with each of you that have reached out to us. So we appreciate that, uh, email admin one at SVC sportzone.com. So again, whatever you're most comfortable with, uh, you know, so please get involved because your feedback really drives our show and, and kind of drives our future topics that uh, that we've kind of uh, been looking forward to talking about. So, Matt, on that note, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Episode 12, rules are made to be blank. Uh, we'll, we'll allow you to fill in the blank and, and look forward to your feedback to see how you'll answer that. Uh, but uh, uh, keep joining us here on Expanding the Zone. We'll see you next week for Episode 13. Thanks, everybody.